0: This is a podcast from BFM 89.9, The Business Station.
1: BFM 89.9, you're listening to Cruise Control, the car show on BFM. And my name is Ali Johan. And tonight, it's a two-man show. It's just me and Daniel Fernandez, our automotive specialist. Welcome, Daniel.
0: Thank you for welcoming me, Ali. And thank you, listeners, for still listening in. I know a lot of you out there listen to us every Wednesday evening because a lot of you email me and message me on Facebook. Thank you. Appreciate all the good vibes that you all give us. I know a lot of people have been following the show and thinking, when are we going to hear about a new Proton?
1: Yes. So, we're going to hear some news about a new Proton, as Daniel mentioned. Uh, We've got news about Puspacom as well coming up. A recent um, announcement by our Prime Minister about higher taxes for luxury cars and that's uh, what he wants as well as a review later on a new Audi A3 2.0 TFSI S line and that's all coming up on the program but first we're going to take you through some news headlines. This week the big new car by Proton has just been unveiled. It's called the X90, Proton's new seven-seater, joining the ranks of two other popular SUVs that are already out in the market by Proton, the X50 and the X70. X90 is a seven-seater Daniel, so that means it has the third row seats, right?
0: Yes, it has and you know as Proton when they when they unveiled to us yesterday evening it was a it was a sneak media preview. They haven't they haven't given it out to the public yet, hmm. which will be happening very soon. They said this is Proton's largest vehicle to date. I can tell you this line, you know, Malaysians have been waiting for this. Whether you're an MPV buyer or an SUV buyer, Malaysians in this segment just love vehicles with three rows of seats, you know? Yeah. Uh, Whether they're going to use it or not, that's a different story. (laughs) But they like the third row seat. And so this comes along at the right time. Why I say right time is because the market for SUVs are growing. We know that. The market for three row SUVs, I'm talking about, Cars like the Mazda CX-8, the Nissan X-Trail, the Kia Sorento, the Hyundai Santa Fe, also a growing market. So now Proton says, hey, I've got a vehicle, three rows of seats, plus I've got price advantage. That's right. As always with Protons, right?
1: They always come into the market um, bearing... A price point that's very competitive, much cheaper than most of their contemporaries. huh? Um, yes. I mean, we're still on the third row seats now. So, that makes it either a seven-seater or a six-seater that's also available. A second row with individual chairs, if you wish, you can order that as well. But usually, the standard will be three chairs in the second row. Lah, so, that makes it seven seats. And for the next month or so, uh, this X90 will be visiting um, shopping malls and anywhere with high foot traffic locations around Malaysia where you can actually go and have a look at it, touch and feel it, as well as make a direct booking with the Proton dealers there. But what is the asking price, Daniel?
0: Okay, so they didn't reveal asking price for the simple reason that they want to just, you know, tease the market for a couple of weeks, maybe a month. Hmm. Uh, they haven't given a firm date when they're going to officially launch it. I think it's going to be done just nice for Hari Raya, like, you know. Ooh. Just nice. Hmm. Problem is, only a few thousand people will probably be able to drive it home for yeah. Hari Raya because I think this is going to just boom. The sales of this vehicle is going to boom simply because, like we said, three rows of seat SUV, combined boat. Now, if you see the pictures on DSF, and of course, you, you'll see it everywhere else right now, uh, I'm going to ask you from the pictures, how large do you think this SUV is?
1: You know, from the front, it doesn't look that big. It does um, give me X70 vibes. But from the back, I can see that it looks kind of like an Arus Toyota Rush kind of height um, from the off from the boot down to the
0: floor, right? Very good observation, very good observation. Now, initially, when you know the, the, the teaser pictures came out for this vehicle, because it's based on a Geely product, which has already been on sale in China and, and Philippines. Philippines is always early to get Geely products because Philippines is left-hand drive and China is left-hand drive, right. so they get it first. And then it filters down to our part of the world because of right-hand drive. Hmm. So if you look at the early pictures of this vehicle, it, it always commanded itself as being something... Of the Kia Sorrento size, Okay. So which means it gave the impression of being slightly bigger, taller, wider than the X seventy, right? Mm. Now, yesterday when we saw it in the flash, I realized that it's actually, if you if you look at it side by side, which you'll be able to do very soon in, in shopping malls and showrooms, it's an X fifty that has been extended. Oh, okay. So, like the same height as the X fifty. It's maybe slightly taller, slightly mm. taller, maybe because of the rims. Yeah. But if you look at the the glass area and the muscular body, it's more like a slightly enlarged version of the X fifty, but longer. So mm. it it doesn't stand very tall, which makes it actually quite good as in terms of you know handling and and profiling against uh, the the others. But when you sit in it, it's not going to be something huge. Mm. But I think this is the right size because when you get something too big, too large, parking space is one thing. Yeah. Number two, do you really carry basketball players in your car? <laughs> yes, six foot tall is not an unknown factor. But you know, you, you can sit in front and the middle row. You can put the smaller people at the, at the third row or the, or the children in the third row. Now, when it comes to the third row, the seats are nicely sculptured for two adults, I would say, for short distance, not long distance. Maybe up to EPO.
1: You right, know, An hour and a half to two hours drive.
0: Yes, and without being too uncomfortable. then you've got a little bit of luggage room at the back. But the great news is, equipment-wise, this has really moved the benchmark up. It's got everything and more than the X50 and X70. So in terms of equipment, uh, rear air convents, third row air convents, uh, safety features and everything else, it's on par or better than the current rivals that are costing 180 to two hundred and twenty thousand ringgit. So the guesstimate price from me, you heard it here first, is 138888 And why I'm able to guesstimate this price is because I'm looking at what they charge for the X50, what they charge for the X70. Yep. And then of course, you know, this has got more space, more premium, more features. But I don't think they will take it up to 150 160 simply because then you're too close to the competition. Hmm. Maybe... One four three
1: eight 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 you know, at the most. Right, so it's still below one hundred fifty thousand, but it's still in that range between one hundred yes. and thirty five
0: to one hundred forty five. Powertrain, powertrain is a one point five mile hybrid turbocharged, one point five lah. Like, your Rotex is really cheap like, you know. Yeah. And then when you're doodling around in the city, which you do most of the time, ninety percent of the time you're actually in the city, driving from point A to point B, your fuel consumption is going to be very good.
1: A mile hybrid engine on a Proton marks the first with this X ninety, right?
0: yes so proton can't straight away go into an electric vehicle for many reasons one of the biggest reasons is price you can't sell an electric vehicle for a low price because battery costs are high number two proton has to revamp its whole dealership network to cater for electric vehicles which is not easy to do and they are committed to providing a certain kind of electric vehicle that means if they do bring in electric vehicle it must be priced well it must have the warranty to accept and it must be able to cater to a wide network of people. So they're not ready yet. But this is the 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 road in, you know. We start with a minor hybrid, then maybe we'll go into a plug-in hybrid. And yes, when the time is right, we'll give you an electric car.
1: So we're already coming up to the end of the first quarter of the year and Proton are already making moves in the market. The X90 was just unveiled to a media preview recently and it's going to be out in the markets really soon. Check that out at your local showrooms and shopping malls. Moving on to EV news, as we always have every week. Now, another EV enters the Malaysian market. uh, That is the Jaguar I-PACE fully electric SUV. It is now available in Malaysia, courtesy of Jaguar Land Rover Malaysia that just launched this SUV. Uh, Daniel?
0: Yes, so now comes the first ever Jaguar electric vehicle, you know. Mm. A lot of people have said, isn't the I-PACE something that's old? Yes, it's been around for a few years in Europe. But this iPace is the latest version of the iPace. Now, when the iPace was first launched, it had a smaller battery, it had a different powertrain configuration, different software. The shape was basically the same. But what happened is, over the years, due to the popularity in Europe, Jaguar upgraded the iPace. And this is the upgraded version with the new battery technology, new battery system, software, and also a very luxurious interior now i can't emphasize more on the luxury in this vehicle because it really surprised me jaguar had really moved up a few notches on the luxury ladder to sit side by side with you know the big boys and say hey i'm providing a cabin space that can rival and in some cases even better you Hmm. now as a full electric vehicle we spotted it in the showroom we went had a closer look at it and we were already impressed with the you know the few features that we could spot But what really turned us is when we got to test drive it. Now, I'll give you the full test drive review in in a week's time. But now I'll just tell you our quick test drive, we only noticed one thing immediately. This is not an SUV. This is not a crossover. This is a sports car. Yes. It may look like a crossover with its big wheels and everything else. But yes, all electric vehicles like to call themselves SUVs or crossovers because they come with big wheels, they come with a slightly raised platform, because that's the way electric cars seem to be coming out right now. If you look at the competition from all the brands, they're all in this kind of mold. But the most important thing is you drive this vehicle, you take it around a corner, and you come out realizing it's a sports car. So this iPace will accelerate from zero to 100 in 4.8 seconds the battery will give you a claimed range of 470 kilometers on a full charge now Jaguar are very very I would say very 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 conservative in in explaining to you that it is best that you charge this vehicle using an AC charger which is a slow charger which will take about eight hours overnight at your home rather than use DC chargers that do it very fast hmm. 45 minutes or whatever the reason is this they want your battery to last now when you do DC charging you actually reduce the lifespan of the battery now of course if you're running uh, out station overseas to to Thailand or Singapore you might have to use a DC charger along the way once in a while it's okay you know hmm. once every few months or maybe in you know, a once a month or whatever but if you're constantly using a dc charger your battery is not going to last and you're going to see the 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 driving distance reduce reduce so as much as possible at the launch they said use an ac charger use it at home overnight you know when you see your battery is depleted to 20 percent 22 percent leave it to charge overnight while you're sleeping Mm. And then you can use it for another five six days without any issue. I mean, in the city, line, you know, because four hundred over kilometers is what you use a week anyway, you know.
1: Yeah, to and yeah. back from so, from work.
0: So it's got a lot of great features in the vehicle. Most important thing is the price. There are two variants, which are both very high spec variants, but one is slightly better than the rest. It starts from four hundred and sixty thousand eight hundred ringgit, right up to four hundred and ninety eight thousand eight hundred ringgit. So it's just below half a million dollars which makes it very reasonable in the luxury EV space. Now, they'll give you a warranty package of five years or, interesting, 150,000 kilometers. So that is a really good warranty program. Jaguar Land Rover is uh, taking care of it in Malaysia. I understand they've got more than two dozen orders already. So it's going to be very popular. I urge you to go this weekend at the latest to the Jaguar Land Rover showroom. Take it for test drive. If they don't have a unit for test drive because it's sold out by then because of the BFM show, at least they'll have a demo unit for you to sit in and touch and feel and realize how amazingly luxurious this i is.
1: New Jaguar I-PACE EV that's already in the Malaysian markets. Um, it's this very beautiful car that won 80 awards globally, including World Car of the Year and World Car Design of the Year. Not like any other Jaguars we've seen before. And this one's a sporty SUV, as Daniel recalls driving it. Moving on to other news from the Star about a petrol station owner based in Johor Bahru, fined at the sessions court last week for allowing foreign-registered vehicle to pump Ron95 fuel at his gas station.
0: All the stations will have a big signboard. Only Ron97 can be filled up by Singapore-registered vehicles. Now, if you're a Malaysian driving a Singapore-registered vehicle, you also have to use Ron97. Hmm. It's it's it, it follows the car, not the driver. And I'll give you a reason why. Because many years ago, I was in JB and then my Singapore relative came over and they wanted to go and fill up the fuel and he was driving a very interesting car. I said, hey, I want to test drive this. He said, okay, come, we go and fill up, you can you can drive. So, we drove to the petrol station and then, you know, automatically, you know, myself, uh, we always put on 95. We, we don't have BFM salary to put 97. Never 97, so we, yeah. We went and took the nozzle and and about to fill up and then the, the, the attendant came out. Hey, tabli, 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 cannot. So, I said, hey, what's the big deal? You know, automatic, because I'm Malaysian. Yeah. I'm filling up raw 95. Then he explained, no, this is Singapore car, you Singaporean. I said, oh, okay, okay. I didn't want to argue with him. I put back the nozzle, redid everything, took Ron 97 and put in. And then I realised that actually this is the law. And the law is very strict. So a lot of station owners get their staff to actually, you know, uh, engage with customers who make the mistake, I would say, you know. Mm-hmm. Or maybe purposely try and do it. But there are some station owners who just turn the blind eye. Sometimes it's because the flow of traffic from Singapore, Singapore registered cars is just huge. Especially in weekends and peak seasons, so we have seen pictures where Singapore registered luxury cars have come and pumped RON 95 fuel because it's much cheaper and it's subsidized from from what you pay in Singapore. So this time, someone was charged. The owner was taken to court and he had to pay a fine. Now the fine is interesting forty thousand ringgit. So this actually tells you how serious this crime is because how do you recover forty thousand ringgit? You have to sell fuel for for months to get back that money. But this is a point that they're trying to make. Don't let it happen. Now, even in KL, even in PJ, Klang Valley, if you go to a petrol station and you happen to be driving a Singapore-registered car, if you're seen pumping, the station owner will get charged because it's it's for the whole of Malaysia. The same for tyre-registered vehicles also. So the whole idea is, Ron 97, because the subsidy is not as high, you can pump. There is still a subsidy on RON 97, but you can pump. But with RON 95, no foreign vehicle can use our fuel, no matter what the situation.
1: So, meanwhile, um, the Johor Domestic Trade and Cost of Living Department are currently investigating another 22 cases of uh, RON 95 sales to foreign vehicles. So,
0: this is a thing that happens quite a lot from time to time. But, you see, at some at some point or so, uh, I have to say this, you can't really blame the petrol station owner mm. because not all owners sit at the station and monitor 24-7, right? Definitely. So Even with a CCTV, lot of
1: them, you can't stop them.
0: Yeah. A lot of them have staff. Very seldom, they actually go down and confront an owner. So, it's difficult to do. It's difficult to govern, you know. And, and I think... Too bad, you have to pay the fine.
1: So rules are rules, right? That's what happened. A petrol station owner fined in Johor Bahru for allowing foreign cars to pump the Ron 95 fuel. That's actually meant only for Malaysian and Malaysian registered cars. That's it for now. And when we come back, we're going to discuss more about our Prime Minister's request if we can have higher taxes for luxury cars to be implemented to our markets and as well as PuspaKom. Is it the end for them right here? on Cruise Control, BFM 89.9. BFM 89.9 is Cruise Control. I'm Ali Johan tonight with Daniel Fernandez. Thanks for sticking with us. Busy week of... Um, automotive-related news uh, in the last week. One of it is Anthony Loke's Facebook post recently, right, about PUSPACOM. So as we all know, there's only one body that's recognised as the default authority throughout our country when it comes to vehicle inspections, and that is PUSPACOM. But Transport Minister Anthony Loke on his Facebook page suggested that uh, the current concession will end on 31st August next year you can have your vehicles inspected by any other companies. Is that true, Daniel?
0: Okay, there was a bit of confusion about this. It's not that PUSPACOM is going to be closed down. Or, no, PUSPACOM will continue. They have renewed their commitment to the government for another few years. They will continue to do what they're doing. What Anthony Log was trying to say is, right now, he is coming out with a new guideline to allow other parties to also do vehicle inspection. So, in time to come, in very soon... You can go to Puspacom or you go to company A, B, C, D to do this. It's just that now there'll be other providers. Now, having other providers means a shorter waiting period, you know, slightly better service, maybe even faster, you know, things like that. Right, you You have competition. You have competition. Mm. So, it's no longer just one company doing it, which is good because if you think about it, Singapore, they also have vehicle inspection. Now, their vehicle inspection have got... Many workshops, professional workshops doing it. Also, you have some franchise outlets that do it. And they've been doing it for years and it's all running very well. Of course, now and then, people from the transport industry have to go and audit so that you can put them in in line, you know, no hanky-panky, you know. Mm -hmm -hmm. So, this is where JPJ will have to have an audit team or or inspection team going from outlet to outlet to check whether these guys are actually doing their job properly. Because this can also open uh, a whole can of worms for abuse. You see, Puspacom has been, you know, there's been a lot of complaints about Puspacom over the years or they allow smoky vehicles, Mm. this problem, that problem. Yes, it does happen in certain outlets because why? Not everyone can be enforced 24-7. That's number one. Number two, when it comes to smoky vehicles, a lot of commercial vehicle owners, especially the smaller ones, those who own just one truck or two trucks or three trucks, what they can do is they can put additives and all kinds of funny things just to get the vehicle passed. You, you get what I mean? Some and kind of
1: things, a modification or something.
0: Yeah, slight modification, just enough to get passed. And then maybe a month later, they're smoking down the highway, you know. And I've seen this by myself, you know, the vehicles going in, woo, clean, very nice. And then one month later, the same vehicle has gone past my house smoking like anything. So this happens simply because you can't control certain things. Now you want to control this, you have to start having okay end of life for commercial vehicles. That's number one. Number two, if the car has got any special additive in it, okay, we can do a spot check along the highway. But when you do spot check again, that's you no. Know, how how do you how do you spot check the people who are doing the spot check? <laughs> you know. <laughs> yeah. So having this is good, but you have to do surprise visits to make sure that they're doing the job right because these new providers might just see a way to make a lot of money because there's a lot of money involved in this. Even though the fee is small, the the number of vehicles going in every day is just ridiculous.
1: What about other companies? At this point, Puspacom has been around for the longest time and there's no right. other companies uh, or parties um, doing this kind of inspection
0: services. Okay. Before COVID, I met two, a few years before COVID, I met two different big tyre groups when i say tyre groups mean the shops that 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 sell tyres do alignment and everything else each of them were already pitching to the government to be a service provider like because they have the facilities they just have to buy extra equipment and they have to get extra workers now i think these are the same two people who made their pitch very strong right now and now it's been approved you know so They've got the outlets. They've got they've got outlets nearly in every part of Malaysia. So it's easy for people like this to to get into the business very quickly.
1: Daniel, seems like the transport ministry is doing good things for the economy, huh?
0: And it's also good for the consumer.
1: Speaking of uh, ministries, uh, it looks like luxury cars selling prices will be rising very soon, and maybe as soon as next year. In fact, uh, um, the prime minister just last week requested uh, MOF together with the Royal Malaysian Customs to look into raising the duties for luxury vehicles in Malaysia.
0: Yes, we got this news from a few parties. Uh, the first person to tell us this was someone from the from the grey market industry and then of course grey market means AP holder. The right. second one was actually from the Motorcycle Association of Malaysia hmm. and then it came from a few luxury motorcycle the distributors, the brands. Hmm. I was meeting with them over three days. It just so happened every day I was meeting with one one party and they all said the same thing. Oh, you know, we've been called in for this meeting and everything else. So finally, when, I, when, when, when the meetings were over, I called them up and said, okay, what happened? And all of them had the same story. Basically, they were called in. Prime Minister had asked the two departments to look into how luxury car tax could be increased a little bit more for the government to get some revenue. Also, because I think he's looking and saying, cars are already so expensive in Malaysia, but luxury cars are selling... There doesn't seem to be a shortage of buyers. Let them pay a bit more, you know? Mm. So, (laughs) the question now is, with already quite high taxes in place, how do you govern this? And then, here's the tricky part. How do you define something as luxury? Yeah, because as we understand it,
1: at the meeting that was called, um, no Japanese car manufacturers were called in.
0: Um, Exactly. So, Japanese car manufacturers also do luxury cars. Yeah. Koreans were not there as well, together with the Chinese brands. Exactly. So, it's, it's going to be tricky. So are you saying just European cars are luxury? Because then also you have some European brands that don't sell luxury cars. They sell basic cars. And you hmm. have some luxury brands, like say from Germany, who have also basic vehicles that you know someone moving up from a $150,000 car would, would skim into a $200,000 Range, you know? Right, right, right. So, is, is a $200,000 German car, a luxury car at the same level as a $500,000 German car? That's a difficult question to yeah. ask. So, is it based on brand? Is it based on CC? Is it based on value? Is it based on perception? Is it based on branding? Now, it's going to be very difficult. It's not going to be easy, but the government is already starting to look at this and it's not making the car manufacturers happy at all. So, you know, who's going to draw the fine line? Now, coming back to an old story, which I have been saying for a few times, why are there no taxes put on luxury EVs? (laughs) That's a good point. Or maybe this is a move to encourage people to buy more EVs. A weird move though. Maybe, maybe. Because all the brands mentioned are also doing electric cars. And then like we just see the new Jaguar I-Pace. But if the government needs more money to come into the, the Ministry of Finance and, and the Royal Customs, shouldn't you be putting at least a little bit of tax on, on electric, electric vehicles, cars? Yeah. I mean, especially, especially luxury electric cars because the luxury electric cars today cost much cheaper than mid-range luxury petrol-driven cars. And I know you want to push into cleaner air, lower emissions, blah, 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 everything else. But you're giving a whole market which has basically rich people the opportunity to own a luxury car tax-free. Hmm. There's Langkawi and there's Labuan for you to do that, right? Exactly, exactly. So that's another issue to talk about. So so this is a very sensitive area. A lot of people were upset with me for putting up this article. But you know, like I said before, everyone always gets upset with me. (laughs) What this new government is saying is, listen, you've had a free reign for a long time. You've made your money. You've enjoyed all the little benefits that was given by the previous ruling parties. Now it's time to have a little bit of fairness in the market, you know? First of all, let's not have monopolies running around. That's number one. Yep. Number two, let's be fair about our taxation system. Yes, some parties will say, oh, this is not right. But if I'm talking to you, Ali, you as a middle-class person, you say, hey, I have to pay a full price to buy a Proton X90 because it's tax, right? Yeah. The luxury electric car driver is paying no tax. And he's earning five, six, seven, eight times of what I'm earning. Mm-hmm. So is it fair? It shouldn't be that way, right? So, this is where I think the government is looking and saying, you know, hey, I think, uh, yeah, we have, to, we have to go through this, you know, lower emissions, electric car thing and all that. You know, you've got subsidized fuel and then you've got subsidized electricity. There must be some way of making this a little bit more fair. Right? Because you're, you're actually pushing the middle class lower and you're pushing the rich up, you know.
1: Yeah, that's true. It's an interesting um, request by Prime Minister. Uh, I think yeah. um, raising the duties for luxury vehicles is definitely something needed, maybe to boost a bit of our, our, our revenue. But as we've spoken, you know, it remains to be seen, we have to quantify and qualify these terms. What does a luxury vehicle entail? You know, What kind of brands and what kind of price points maybe to, to ensure yeah. that they are the ones paying more of the taxes. That's it for now. And when we come back, we're going to be discussing... Daniel's review of the Audi A3 2.0 TFSI S-Line that's right here on Cruise Control BFM 89.9. FM 89.9, you're listening to Cruise Control. I'm Ali Johan. Tonight with Daniel Fernandez. We're into our final part of the program. Daniel just got to drive the Audi A3 2.0 TFSI S-Line. A Very beautiful sedan, Daniel.
0: You know, anywhere you drive this car in Klang Valley, anywhere you drive this car, people will point and look. They recognize it straight away. They know it's an Audi. The lines are there. But they, they, they look at it and say, wow, this is very chiseled chisel looks, you know. Mm. It's, a, it's a very commanding looking vehicle and Audi has always been able to get that right to the point of being almost evergreen, you know. Because if you look at older Audis, they don't age badly. You know, they age very gracefully. Even a 10-year-old Audi A4, you look at it today, it still looks rather fresh. As long as you get a nice coat of paint on it, mm. you know, everything is still gleaming and shiny, it could be two years old, yeah. you know. Yeah. So now comes an Audi A3 two-litre, TFSI, that's the engine type. The vehicle type is S-Line. S-Line is like, um, like, you know, I'll say like M for BMW M and for like um, Mercedes-AMG line, you know? Gotcha. top line Audi will be called an RS, okay? Oh, okay, okay. So, this is the Audi A3 2.0 TFSI S-Line. Now, this car has just arrived in the market. They didn't do a lot of media launch, no big noise, nothing, simply because... This car is fully imported. Now, when I use the word fully imported, I want you to understand something as I explain this to you. It's, the tax system on a fully imported car is not fair with the tax system on a local assembled car. So its rivals right now are local assembled, which is the BMW 218 and the Mercedes A-class sedan. These are its immediate rivals. Now, of course, there's Japanese rivals, but you know, once you mention Japanese rivals, people go, oh, you cannot put a German next to a Japanese. I say, okay, fine. Let's not, let's not go there. Yeah, price so-
1: differences and everything.
0: Yes. So, its direct rivals are two of its closest German rivals, the BMW 218, the Mercedes A-Class sedan. Now, both these, these rivals are local assembled and so their prices are much lower. So, I'm giving you a heads up because everybody I showed this car to, the first thing they said is, how much? And when I mentioned the price, they all raised their eyebrows, they all... Hand went up and, you know, head turned away and said, hey, why so expensive? <laughs> Fully imported. Fully imported. That's a big difference. Right. It's not like the company is unfairly putting the price up. They don't want to push the price up for no reason because they want to sell more cars. Now, the earlier model, A3, when it came here, the 2014 model, there was a 1.4 and a 1.8. Both also turbocharged. Both were selling for between 179 to 240000 now that you know that, 179 to 240. So now this one is definitely going to be more than 240, right? Yeah. Now, the current rivals are within the 240 range. So this is how it's going to play out. Now, this car is 2-litre plus its S-line. So what is S-line? You get nicer seats, you get the S-line flat bottom, almost sporty race-like steering wheel. You get the bigger wheels. You know, you get a little bit of a discreet body kit. All this adds up in terms of money. And this is why this car retails at 300 and thirty-five thousand ringgit. Oh no! Big move up. Big yeah. move up. Mm. And that is why everybody's like, Ugh. so that's a huge price premium. But let me just tell you about this car. Get in, test drive it, and immediately, immediately, unless you're a person that's six foot five because it's a bit small, immediately you'll start loving the way it feels, handles, and goes. Because why? This car has got really good handling. It's point to point. Almost like a go-kart. And that's because short wheelbase, tight body, great suspension system, nice combination of tyre and rim, and that brakes. That brakes really grab. You don't need some big aftermarket uh, sporty brake system. This brakes by itself already. Really keeps this car on the toe. Now, if you drive in the city and you're in traffic jam mode and you go and you put the car in comfort, you just doodle along, the two-liter engine just purrs along fuel sipping quality very good and then suddenly you see the road open up and you think okay i want to be a bit more adventurous you go into dynamic dynamic is their version of sports mode immediately the car's character changes it changes very fast 190 horsepower is delivered very quickly now you might say 190 that's all that 190 horsepower in this small aluminum car is very fast Mm. now you've got 320 newton meters of torque and that torque comes in very early at 1,500 revs. And you got a very nice seven-speed S-Tronic gearbox. So having all this work together, you get a real good focus driver's sedan. Now, because of its small, compact size. Now, I'll say small. I use the word small because, like I said, it's like the A-class sedan and the BM218. So at the rear, don't expect to put three adults. Three Ali Johans can go in because you're slim, you know. You're, kid you're slim, size, you're basically. Bit. So you can go in. Richard Bradbury, if you're here, Table Masola. You know, if you have two adults in the back, no issue. So two adults make it perfect. So this is not a car for you to, you know, take your whole factory out for for dinner line. You want something different, you want something really out there, really something that's dynamically just exciting to drive. This Audi A3 is it. But 335 makes it very, very, very difficult for someone to walk away with that booking form because the competition is so far away the price yeah
1: so because of that now i'm gonna put you on the spot daniel if you had to choose between the new audi a3 and bmw's 218i and mercedes a-class
0: sedan which one would you go for at my present income bracket i'll probably go and buy a second and audi a3 <laughs> Ooh, well from 2014 though yes i'll buy the one from 2014 especially the 1.8 because it's less than hundred thousand now
1: it is, it is. I saw them, some of them, really, very yeah, really interesting. It's about,
0: it's about 80,000, 90,000. You still can get a five-year loan. You can still get a favourable interest rate and these cars hold their value because they're built well. Of course, maintenance is not the cheapest but German cars are German cars. The parts are not cheap but once you change a part, you can keep it. Now, I have a German car a an old German car home, a Golf GTI Mark V. Mm. The maintenance on this car is not the cheapest but when you replace something, it lasts a long time, you know? And just like that, the Audi is built well. So, with my price bracket, I'm looking at 2nd But there are a lot of people out there who might say, listen, I've got a luxury sports car. I've got a luxury SUV. I just need something, you know, something simple just to do some errands. Once in a while, go out by myself. This car makes the cut. So I can see a lot of well-to-do neighbourhoods having this as a fourth, fifth, or even sixth car in the garage. Right, a nippy sedan. A nippy premium sedan. And when we say premium, we also add the word luxury, which means the tax could go up will it fall under
1: the luxury category is the other question, right? But for its CC and for where it stands in the segment, it doesn't look or feel, from the outside at least, like a luxury thing until you set your hands on them. Correct, correct.
0: You've got to get in the car, touch and feel the points. You know, Audi always puts together a very high-end premium interior and they've done it again even with the A3. Yes, they have the A4, the A5 Sportback, the A6, the A8, but even in an A3, they have not skimmed on features and touch and feel points that is the best about Audi and really really loving the look of the new A3 but the price though
1: a lot to think about right I think um, that's all we have the time for on the show today. Thank you, Daniel, for your review and insights on the automotive industry today.
0: You're most welcome and thank you for listening, everybody. That's
1: all we have on the program today. If you'd like to listen back to this episode, check out the podcast. I recommend using our BFM app. And until next week, I've been Ali Johan together with Daniel Fernandez. This has been Cruise Control, BFM 89.9, The Business Station.